0: You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're tapped
1: in on the Chiefs Coast to Coast podcast. And I want to start with a message to all of our mortgage payers and and maybe those who may be on the outside looking in as we turn the page to Super Bowl week. If you followed the advice of Mark Gunnels and you're here to get your
2: payback, here this man is right here. Mark, how you feeling uh, I'm doing a lot better than I was the past couple of days, but you know, still pretty down in the dumps, man, to say the least.
1: And he's down in the dumps. It, it, this is why. Let, let, let's play the sound right here. This is why Mark is down in the dumps.
2: Hammer Chiefs minus seven, minus seven and a half. I don't care what it is. Chiefs roll.
1: I'm so glad we putting these on tape finally. I am so glad we putting these on tape finally. Everybody who's putting their house and their mortgage on the predictions the of Mark Gunno, No, he bet did it. the house. Yo. <laughs> bet the house. Mark Gunnels, this was your catchphrase coming into this game. 27-24. Chiefs losing overtime in the AFC championship game. And you gave out that advice. Plus seven, plus seven and a half, minus seven, minus seven and a half. You didn't, you didn't care. Here, here the Chiefs are on the outside looking in. What, what went wrong?
2: Well, I mean, let's just, let's look at, let's break it down in context for a second. When the Chiefs wrote 21 to three, I think most people felt like, hey, Mark's going to win me some money here. We're looking good. You know, we got the ball, the one yard line too, and then, you know, didn't score. It was 21 to 10 at that point, actually, hence the halftime. Got the ball back start the second half though. Okay, still 21 to 10, up 11. Get the ball back, start the second half, you know, go down to score, go up 20 to 10. Didn't work out. You know, things uh, started going uh, a backward spiral. I mean, first half, Mahomes looked like that was probably his best half, maybe arguably ever, of his career. I mean, he looked flawless. In the second half, that was probably the worst half of his career. So you couldn't go from a bigger high to a lower low in the same game. I mean, I couldn't predict that. Um, obviously, I said bet the house. So, I mean, hopefully you guys didn't bet the house and you guys are still watching me in your home on Wi-Fi right all now. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh very unfortunate uh, to say the least, man. Uh, I can't explain it, man. It's a tough loss, man.
1: Tough he loss. has no housing assistance to offer, no, no, nothing to give to those who I
2: have a couple couches here, so you know if you want to hit me up in the DM, I might hook you up with a couch for a couple weeks.
1: Lord have mercy. You mentioned the first half, so let's let's look at that a little bit more. And Kansas City had a chance to really pull away and put this game, maybe the final nail in the coffin, with that last possession up against the goal line, as you mentioned. I'm looking at the stats here right now. Second and one from the 25, Cincinnati. Mahomes goes to Byron Pringle for 10 yards. Timeout, 13 seconds left. You got first and 10 from the 15. And then Eli Apple gives you DPI in the in the end zone, sets you up on the one-yard line with nine seconds to go, and Kansas City can't score from there. A, a lot of question marks in Chiefs Kingdom surrounding – uh, should they have taken the points there? Should they have uh, maybe gone for a different play call there instead of the ball that was uh, kind of to Tyreek Hill and, and, and ended up with Eli Apple making the tackle. Do you like the play call? Uh, do you like going forward in that situation? Let's talk specifically about that, about that sequence right there at the end of the first half.
2: So, yeah, I definitely like going for, it. I mean, you still could have had a scenario where, you know, guys weren't open and if that was your only option, I put that on Patrick Mahomes because I'm not putting on the play call and there's other guys that ran routes on that play and you see Tyree Hills in the flat, but there's two defenders there and you know, you have no timeouts. So why are you even throwing that ball? You know, just throw it in the dirt, throw it in the dirt, throw it at somebody's feet and you still got a chance for a field goal there. I mean, that was just poor execution. That was a rookie mistake from somebody that we don't really see make those mistakes, even though he still is young, but uh, that was just poor execution all around, but I have to put it on Patrick Mahomes there. You know the situation. Throw it at somebody's feet, man. You have three points in your back pocket. You go into the halftime of 24 to 10. You know, that feels a little different. And you end up losing the game by three points. So that was the difference in the game, essentially. Uh, just very, very uh, uncharacteristic. and it's, it's frustrating, man. It really is. I mean, hearing you just run through the play-by-play there, just it, it still hurts, man. It's painful uh, to hear that at P.I. At the one-yard line, nine seconds to go. I mean, if there's a touchdown now, I really truly believe Cincinnati folds and they kind of essentially quit. I mean, if you're down 20 to 10, Chiefs get the ball in the second half, start the I think mentally the Bengals are done. But you saw they got that stop, they were energized. They went to the locker room, they were running, they were happy, they're like, okay, we're back in this game. That it just it just
1: sucks, man. You can't underestimate what kind of momentum that gave. To the Bengals to give up no points there, not just a field goal, like you said, uh, but to give up no points there. And in that double dip situation, Casey got the ball back with, I believe, a minute five and had the opportunity to score right before half and get the ball out of half. You get zero points out of those two sequences. And and obviously it unravels from there. I'm, I am. I question the play call. And there's a couple of play calls that you can question, uh, not only in the first half, but the second half for Kansas City. Uh, only because of how long it took to develop. First and first and goal from the Cincinnati one with nine seconds left. Patrick Mahomes almost burns five sec five seconds. Excuse me, it was four seconds exactly. Uh on the rollout there. I, I would like to have seen a faster play call. I would have liked to have seen uh, maybe something to the end zone, uh where you don't see the play, you don't see the read, uh, it doesn't develop. Like you said, burn it at his feet. You got time, you get more attempts, you get more cracks at it. Instead, you only get two cracks in nine seconds, which to me seems Uh, a a little slow and and then obviously you get no points from there that that first half sequence really hurts uh a lot and Patrick Mahomes had this to say about the eventual result in the AFC championship game
2: they were doing this a lot of similar stuff in the first half we were we were just executing at a higher level um and they stayed with it uh they fought I mean that's that's a good football team but it takes a lot of uh of fight to stay in a game whenever you're down like that um, but I, I mean, I got to be better. I mean, when you're up 21 to three at one point in the game, you can't lose it. And I, I mean, I put that on myself.
1: So, Mark, a 1.4 quarterback rating in second half and overtime from Patrick Mahomes, and you touched on it earlier. Man, this is a guy we saw be the magic man in the first half, second half. It kind of, it kind of all fell apart for him.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's really, honestly, is unexplainable. There's no way you can really put it into words. I mean, I know that the Bengals made an adjustment; they started rushing three and putting eight in coverage so while it is easy to you know put the finger all on Patrick Mahomes you have to blame the play calling as well in the second half why did they stop running the ball I mean the first half McKinnon and CH were averaging nearly six yards a carry a pop I mean it was working I mean and we know the offensive line while they're pretty good in pass blocking as well I think their strength is run blocking like especially those young guys like Creed Humphrey Trey Smith they love to just get dirty and just push guys back like they love to do that and it's easy to do that it's easier to go forward than is backwards i mean that's just simple logic there so i mean i, I really don't understand why they went away from the running game in the second half it makes no sense to me
1: Jarek mckinnon w- was cooking and, and, and was very active in the first half kansas city 292 yards and 18 first downs in the first half second half like you said much more uh three-man rush and, and dropping eight KC only gets 83 yards and six first downs, it it, it maybe is a, a little bit of an arrogance that Brett Veach talked to about Kansas City's mindset of just wanting to go out there and, and, and put the hammer down each and every play. And it, it almost mirrored Mahomes' development this year as well, him trying to go for 14 points every play. And, and sometimes the underneath route or the check down or what the defense is giving you. is is, it's the boring play, but but maybe it was the right play in in this situation, Mark.
2: Yeah, and that's the confusing part because he actually started getting better at that towards the second half of the season as far as taking the underneath stuff. I mean, we heard the broadcast. If you're watching the game, you weren't there live. Tony Romo just raved about his development and how he was taking underneath stuff even in the Buffalo game because Josh Allen had to go through the same thing. He started taking more underneath stuff, you know, methodically moving the ball down the field. So, it's just really uh, bizarre to see him go back to the old habits when you were already gaining momentum on uh, taking what was the defense was giving you, and you know, doing the boring things and things like that. I mean, it's just really, it's just really bizarre to me.
1: Old habits die hard, Mark, and and, and Mahomes showed us these tendencies throughout the year. He he evened out, and and through that winning streak, obviously, we saw. Uh, him be more consistent and be more willing to take that, take the, those underneath routes and and be able to play in the flow of the offense. But uh, Brett Veach kind of talked to to Patrick Mahomes wanting to go out and make the big play at, at, at all points in time. and times. And this is what he had to say about that.
3: You know, and we've said this before, uh, you know, Patrick's biggest weakness is um, just him wanting to go out there and just execute at such a high level. And that goes back to the roots of, at Texas Tech. If you remember when, Pat was at Texas Tech. You know, he was always the best player on the field. Um, sometimes teams would be in a bind, and he'd be down to 21-0. I think he's always, from an early age, approached the game like, I'm putting everybody on my shoulders, and I'm going to try to score every single play.
1: So there you heard it from the Chiefs GM. He, he, he sees uh, the biggest weakness in Patrick Mahomes' game, and unfortunately we all saw it in, in the second half, Mark. How, how did the Chiefs kind of lick their wounds – uh, specifically in the second half. I'm sure they look back at the tape by now. Uh, I'm sure they know where things went wrong. Uh, where do you think they they hang their hat on heading into the offseason, specific to the second half?
2: I think it comes back to kind of what you said in that arrogance. You know, I think this was the perfect humble pie probably they needed, even though you would hope they got that last year in the Super Bowl. But, you know, I guess the excuse could have been we didn't have our offensive line there. So you fixed that. And now we can kind of go back to doing what we do, play Chiefs football. But now I think you have the O line fixed. And now you went back to, you know, let's air the ball out. Let's put the ball in Mahomes' hands. Let's go away from the running game. And let's kind of, you know, get these home run plays. And it didn't work out. You didn't make it to the Super Bowl. Last two years, you made it to the Super Bowl. Now you lost at home in the AFC title game at home. When you were favored by seven points. And you bet your house. Mark Gunnell said, bet your house. (laughs) And you lost. You didn't even forget covering the spread. You didn't even win the game. So if this doesn't humble them, I don't know what else will. So it's back to the drawing board. Andy Reid, Eric bien all those guys, Patrick Mahomes, they have to look themselves in the mirror and say, hey, I know this is not fun. This isn't how we've been winning the last three years. But we cannot continue to lose games by self-inflicting wounds. I mean, even Brett Veach mentioned it in his presser that the big, their biggest enemy essentially is the Chiefs and the Bengals banked on that. You cannot continue to go away from what's working, even though it's not the exciting brand of, of football. It's working. Do it. If, there's no doubt in my mind. If they ran the ball more in the second half, they wouldn't have football game. There's no doubt in my mind. You slow the game down. The clock is running because they had what two three and outs. I believe to start the second half. Two three and outs.
1: I'm looking at the sequence to end the to end regulation. Chiefs have first and five on the Cincinnati five with a minute thirty left in the game, and they actually go backwards from that point mark. There's a a sack on Mahomes. McKinnon gets one yard, sack on Mahomes again for 15 yards. And what was supposed to be a, a chippy or potentially a game-winning touchdown for the Chiefs turns into a 44 yard field goal for Harrison Putner at the buzzer. It, and it was just hero ball from Mahomes down the stretch. I I, I ended up tweeting this out. He's got to trust his guys in that situation. The the um and, and I'm pulling it back up here, the second and four from the from the Kansas City, from the Cincinnati four. Uh there's been video that, that sent out, and I think BK was the one who actually who actually tweeted it out. When I mean, Kelsey comes right over the middle, over the left-hand side, if Mahomes just kind of sits and waits. But he turned into Johnny Manziel at the end of the game, or at the end of regulation, and then to open overtime with two targets to Demarcus Robinson. It, it, it's mind-boggling stuff, Mark. And that's no offense to Demarcus Robinson and what he brought to this team this year. I know as we go into the offseason, we're going to be talking a lot about what this team needs from the wide receiver position. Um, But to open up overtime with the game on the line, with your season on the line, especially with how sputtery that offense had been in the second half, can't go Robinson there, man. Can't go Robinson at all. I I, I hated that in in overtime.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, that was definitely like, wow, really? Especially back-to-back plays, right? Back-to-back plays. (laughs) I mean, I, I can't explain it. I really can't explain it. But go back to the end of regulation sequence, you know, I didn't mind the fact that I know some people were saying it felt like they were trying to run the clock down a little bit while still scoring because they didn't want to have Burrow to have enough time to go down and get a game winning touchdown. Yeah. I didn't I didn't mind that way of thinking, but there's a fine line there. You still have to score a touchdown. But at the same time, I do agree with let's try to make it methodical as possible. So I didn't mind them running the ball, but I wouldn't have seen at least maybe another run there. You know, right, what happened to the trick plays at the goal line? What happened to the the, the shovel to Kelsey or a, a jet sweep to Hardman? You know, we've seen all these creative things they do at the goal line, and I didn't see that there with the biggest plays of the season.
1: Uh, and this is where I'll push back on, hey, we need to score, but we need to take up the whole clock. That offense in the second half just needed to score by any means necessary, right? Like you wanted to get style points at the end. Well, we're going to walk the regulation off with scoring and give you no time on the clock and head off into our third straight Super Bowl. That's not how this offense was clicking in the second half. And honestly, their best drive of the game of the second half in that point was with the game on the line. So just go in and score first and five from the Cincinnati Five with a minute 30 left. Give me your best play right there. Don't try and get fancy. Don't try and run off the clock. Go win it now. And and we've seen Andy Reid's record, and and there's been some damning stats that have come out since this has gone triple zero. Teams with an 18-point lead in the postseason, all of their coaches are 53-1, and and Andy Reid is 6-3. and Uh, There's a tendency there, Mark. There's a tendency to, I wouldn't say necessarily overthink, but when the game starts to get, Uh, When you feel like everything is in your power or when you feel like uh, it's an ego thing almost, uh, you can't close the deal. I I, I don't even know how you explain that.
2: Uh, I am going to go there. I think it is overthinking. (laughs) I mean, the simple thing is run the ball. Yeah. Run the ball. It was working. It's not like it it wasn't working. I could see if they were only getting two or three yards a pop, you know, two or three clouds of dust and things like that. And you're third and five, third and six, right? You don't want to be in those situations. But they were getting five, six yards of carry in the first half. It was working. You have a physical offensive line. That's what you invested for. They spent their whole offseason investing solely pretty much on the offensive line. So, you know, lean your head on that. Bank on that offensive line. Lean on those big bodies, man. In the second half, they only ran the ball, I think, nine times. It just makes no sense to me at all. If you run the ball – You put those guys in bad situations, they're going to have to bring guys up. They're not going to be able to just have three guys uh, rushing and having eight guys in coverage. If you run the ball consistently, they're going to have to bring guys down. And then that opens up play action over the top because at that point, your season's on the line. It's not like a regular season game where you can kind of, okay, we're going to keep Darren on the run the ball. If the Chiefs are running the ball and it's working, eventually they're going to have to bring guys down because, hey, the clock is ticking here. We're going to go home if we don't bring guys in and then you can beat them over the top.
1: Yeah. I think it's a shared blame, especially in the second half. A lot of people looking at Patrick Mahomes uh, a little bit differently based on that second half performance. First half stats, 17 to 19, 220 for three touchdowns. Second half, nine for 20, 55 yards and two interceptions. Uh, Andy Reid, Obviously, defended his franchise quarterback. This is what he had to say about his second half performance. I, I think he, he was one half away from going to his third Super Bowl in a row, and that's uh, that's pretty impressive. Uh, hey, you've been around this long time, and as a lot of us have, and you know that's that's uh, that's pretty impressive. And and most of these teams that that are getting this far have good quarterbacks. I mean, that's just how it works, and we're fortunate to have him. Uh, there's nobody looking at Pat Mahomes cross eyed from, from our side, and I, I would anticipate our fans feel the same way, Mark. I don't think fans have any choice. Uh, in this situation, uh, I, I remember tweeting out this quote and, and got some cross eyed responses. How are you looking at Patrick Mahomes headed into next season?
2: I mean, yeah, let's let's slow down here now. <laughs> Everybody's looking at Patrick Mahomes differently based on one half of football, especially when I believe you could put equal blame on the coaching staff as far as the play calling. I mean it's pretty hard to be effective passing the ball when teams are dropping eight guys in coverage. Uh, I don't uh based on the math, I don't believe that you can have eight guys running routes. So uh there's obviously a numbers disadvantage there <laughs> to say the least. So uh I think the shit the blame is shared. And also I want to say this as well and this is a different topic we can talk about throughout the offseason but How much control at the line of scrimmage do they give Patrick Mahomes to audible out stuff? You know, obviously I know he's still young. He's only 26 years old. But he's he's experienced so much in such a little amount of time. And he's seen so many defenses already. Does Andy Reid give him the full, like, hey, you can audible whatever you want? Because I don't think that's the case. Because, I mean, common logic would say, hey, man, I'm audible in this here. Let's run the ball. So I would love to know, like, how much control he has at the line of scrimmage.
1: Yeah, I think that's something that we'll we'll learn over the next few weeks. And I remember kind of leading up to the AFC Championship game, Travis Kelsey said, hey, when I first started in Kansas City, it was Big Reds offense exclusively. Now he kind of gives us a little bit more input. We obviously see them having fun at the goal line and and some of the different stuff that they've drawn up. But, yeah, it's a head-scratcher. Why not run the ball in the situation, especially with how successful Jarek McKinnon has been in this offense and was in the postseason. I got his twenty twenty one playoff stats here: fifty touches, three hundred and fifteen yards. And maybe if he has twenty or so more yards, Mark, we're having a completely different podcast here, man. We having a, a completely different coast to coast episode.
2: Yeah, and you would have been out here in LA, you know? I'm yes, sir. Here. Oh, man, partying and up, man, getting ready for <laughs> first place Super Bowl, man. That's why this hurts even more, man. Just so many plans were ruined.
1: Mentally, I was already on the flight. Yeah. Let me tell you, I, I had already checked my luggage. I was ready to go, man. And, and then I saw McPherson split the uprights. Oh,
2: man. Well, you know, I will, I will say this, though. We can still have Coast to Coast next year. It's in Arizona, so still on the West Coast. <laughs> so, uh, not too far away. Phoenix is only a four-hour drive from la so 45 minute flight so hopefully they're in there next year i'm
1: gonna have to buy my house back and hopefully it'll be still on the market by by next year thanks to mr mark gunnels we're gonna take one break and we'll rejoin you in a second
0: what does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape this is scott galloway host of the G podcast and an entrepreneur myself Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prof G-Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prof G-Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Back here on Chiefs Coast to Coast on the Arrowhead Pride podcast network Brett Veach talked for 45 minutes with reporters we're putting a bow on the 2021 2022 regular season and postseason and man this is the most in-depth I feel like reporters had gotten with uh, a member of Chiefs Brass he was very honest about what went wrong in the AFC title game and where Kansas City goes forward but we'll start with his AFC
3: title game reaction right here I know most of the narrative and a lot of the dialogue will be about missed opportunities and you know she's blowing uh, a great opportunity and, and listen a lot of that was unforced errors and things that we did but you have to certainly give the bangles credit it's kind of like a heavyweight fight where you know you have a favorite with a big knockout punch and you know we came out there and, and you know we connected early and you know credit to cincinnati for you know just staying patient with their game plan Credit to their coaches and players for getting up off the mat early and, and continuing the fight and taking it to the late rounds and ultimately getting a win for them and um you know it's easy to look at some of the mistakes we did, but it's also um, I think disingenuous to not say that Cincinnati didn't do what they needed to do, and and that was stay alive in the game and find ways to win. Credit to them, credit to their players. We'll certainly use this as motivation to get better, and um, you know hopefully with another successful offseason, we can put ourselves in a position to play for another championship.
1: So he said it, he said something that you've said earlier in this podcast, Mark. The Chiefs' biggest weakness is is themselves. Uh, it's refreshing to hear from a front office exec, but. How do the Chiefs kind of get that out of their game and get that out of their organization as they try and rebound from this one?
2: Yeah, man. Just it continues to go back to this, man. Just getting rid of that uh, over arrogance, uh, sticking to the fundamentals, um, you know, not having careless mistakes as far as, you know, end of the first half, you know, maybe being a little too greedy there. Maybe you just kick the field goal there. Um, (laughs) Maybe you just uh, don't continue to do these RPOs. I've been I've been kind of critical of those as well. Let me get on that. The RPO game has been very, very spotty with the Chiefs, especially the second half of the year, because the thing with the RPOs is yeah, obviously you have to get the ball out quick because the offensive linemen are going downfield. And I've noticed, it seemed like nobody is open in those first two seconds and Mahomes is holding the ball, holding the ball. He's like, oh crap, I have to throw it because if I don't throw it soon, we're going to get a, a down the field penalty. But he's throwing the ball and Nobody's really open, and it leads to turnovers or just errant throws. So they have to clean that up as well because that seems to be a big part of their offense. I'm not a fan of it, but things like that, man. It's just very, very uh, self inflicting wounds. But to me, it continues to come back to play. I know we keep harping on that, but I mean, that's what it is. It's really that simple. I mean, it's just simple math. When they drop eight, you run the ball i mean i think every other team runs run the ball but it goes back to philly days for andy reed too because i see eagles fans they saying hey he done the same thing in philadelphia you know he, continue, he goes away from what's working and it's just the andy reed thing i don't know if we have to bring somebody in there that kind of challenged andy reed because it seemed like he still has too much maybe too much power and nobody can overrule him and maybe you need to bring somebody in there that can kind of challenge him on his uh philosophy man
1: I want to speak to that specifically because I think that's that, that's kind of what Brett Veach was getting to, uh, kind of with that quote: the, the Chiefs' biggest weaknesses themselves. That could almost be an indictment of what uh, Andy Reid has done in his, in his head coaching career in the National Football League. Uh, the The number we gave earlier with six and three with an eighteen point lead in the in the playoffs that should never happen, man. R- run the ball, like like you said, the the arrogance that uh, we're going to get it done our way. that has bitten you in the rear end at this point in time you're now looking at a game in which you were the better team um, you played the better game in the first half and really you had an opportunity to win it twice at the end and then you get the ball first uh, coming out of overtime it's sitting at your front door and everybody shares a blame in it yes but uh, I, I think that quote specifically maybe talks to a little bit of, of hubris that, that Kansas City had been, <laughs> had been feeling. And, and it's going to be tough in two weeks, man, because they're going to be watching a, a, a team in Cincinnati that has their spot.
2: Yeah, man. And then, you know, it goes back to even last year's Super Bowl. I mean, obviously the offensive line was uh, was decimated, of course, but they refused to bring in extra blockers. They still did their same offense, had, you know, four or five wide receiver sets, had the running back and running routes. They didn't keep the running back in, didn't bring in the extra tight end, the block. They're like, oh, well, we still have a offensive line, but we're still going to do our thing. Like, just, just, that's just arrogant, man. Like, no adjustments. You know, you have guys that haven't played in, in, in there pretty much all year, and you refuse to give them help, especially against that D line. I mean, the Bucs D line is nasty. And they just made no adjustments. So, I mean, it's just been a continued trend, man, that hopefully that maybe it took this loss, that now you didn't even make the Super Bowl and you were at home against an inferior opponent. Maybe it took this, where I hate that it had to go this far, but, you know, hopefully they make adjustments moving forward, man.
1: We're we're moving forward here on Chiefs Coast to Coast, talking with, we're talking about Brett Veach's uh end-of-the-year comments and a couple guys who are looking to get paid in the offseason. One of them is safety Tyron Matthew, who's been extremely vocal on social media about not only his time in the kingdom, but what he could bring to a potential new team. This is what Brett Veach had to say about Tyron Matthew, who was an unrestricted free agent entering 2022.
3: Had a chance to talk to Tyron and his agent. And, um, you know, we got to the point where we said once the season ends, we'll be able to, you know, look at the landscape and, and where it's going to be at. Uh, once we get to this point in the 22 off season and where it's going to be in 23. And, um, you know, we'll work through that. I know, uh, you know, certainly Tyron wants to to be here and play here and and loves it here. And and we certainly feel the same way. We love him. And
1: I think we both uh, know what this, what this quote means without saying it, but what do you you think, Mark? I I want you to take it first.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You're funny, dude. Uh, So yeah, man, uh, it's clear that, tyron matthew is not priority number one in my opinion for brett veach but he still is a priority i'm not going to say he's not a priority i mean we're talking about a guy that is a multi-time all pro uh the leader of that defense without question in my mind the vocal leader leader on the field leader that the back end um you know emotional obviously but that's good though good emotion uh could be sometimes you know on twitter Maybe you stay away a little bit, you know. But I love (laughs) he's my guy, man. I love Tyron Matthew, and I would love for him to retire at Kansas City Chief, but at the same time, it's a business. He's gonna turn 30 this summer. And when guys get paid, and if you're a front office guy, if you're a good front office, you're not paying a guy for what he did in the past, you're paying him for what you think he's gonna do for the next two or three years. You're pretty exactly. And you know, like I say, he's gonna turn 30 years old and do you believe he's going to be an all pro for the next two or three years? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't have that answer. I can't predict the future, obviously, because I said bet the house. So, and that didn't go. Uh, yeah, we but,
1: know you can't predict the future. Uh, Come on now. Uh,
2: so uh, yeah, man, it's a tough call for me. The price has to be right. If he wants to be to pay the top safety in the league, I'm sorry. You know, uh, we'll shake your hand. We appreciate what you did for us. You're, you're going to be in the chief's ring of honor. Uh, I think you're a future hall of famer, but you know, good luck wherever you go but i'm not paying him top safety money i'm just not considering the other things you have to um consider i mean orlando brown you have to consider him obviously tyreek hills extension that's a, a thing that's probably on the table this off season so it's a lot of other things that's on the table wide receiver too. so i mean if you want to kind of give us a hometown discount you know i'm not saying we're gonna just completely underpay you but as far as being a top safety in the league i, I can't go that far i'm sorry
1: yeah, I, I think you hit the nail right on the head when you said the price has to be right because uh, this is a delicate situation. Brett Veach, I was actually on the Zoom call when he went for 45 minutes. He said multiple times, look, we're not picking in the top 10 and, and we're already kind of cap tough w- w- with where our situation is. Guys are going to have to restructure this year and, and guys who want to be here and have been a part of this championship nucleus already are going to have to take hometown deals, are going to have to take Team friendly deals. Tyron Matthew and the Chiefs spent all of last offseason negotiating back and forth and seemingly couldn't come to an agreement before uh, the season started. And I believe the number was 14-4 for Matthew uh, this most recent year. Top flight safety like Jamal Adams uh, and some of those guys, Harrison Smith. uh, What are they talking? 20 uh, in that ballpark. And you can't pay a guy for, for what he's done before. And an absolute excellent point by you. Uh, the Chiefs are, are the Chiefs are looking to continue their their reign by keeping everybody uh, at a at a manageable number, right? Mahomes' deal yeah. so far has been at that rookie deal, has been in that manageable number. Now his deal is going to start to kick in. Guys around, as you mentioned, like Orlando Brown are going to want to start to get paid. Uh, I think Tyron Matthew is going to end up being a, a, a cap casualty that that that's my personal opinion. I think especially from what we heard from Brett Veach, it reminds me of that. Thank you. Graphic that teams send out uh, every every time a guy goes a a different way. (laughs) Thank you. Tyron Matthew. And that, that tribute video will be amazing, man. I think it it deserves all his flowers for his time here in chiefs kingdom and, uh, and post game. He has some really emotional things to say as well uh, uh, about his time here in the kingdom. Check this out. I mean, I, you know, I hope so, you know, um, you know, ever since I came here, you know, I've just tried to be the right kind of teammate. Um, you know, I've tried to play my part. And, you know, uh, obviously, you know, it's always that feeling that, you know, you can make more plays for your team. But um, I'm hoping it works out. Um, you know, I don't have any control over that. Um, you know, I feel like everything that was in my control, you know, uh, I tried my best to, to handle it and, and, and to do it with a smile. So um, I love this team. I love this locker room. You know, it's a lot just that I have great relationships with, and so I'm hoping, yeah. Yeah, Mark, and I don't think a guy gets that emotional. Obviously, post-game, uh, a lot of emotions going on, but but that sounds to me like a guy who knows the the writings on the wall.
2: Yeah, man, um, 100%. And, you know, based on, you know, I follow his tweets and everything very closely, I'm sure, as most of you guys do as well. It uh, seems that he's already pretty much saying goodbye without saying officially, I'm gone, you know. And, um, you know, and, you know, I'm not mad at him. He's a guy that this will be his last chance to get, you know, a big contract. Like I say, he's turning 30 years old. And I'm sure some team out there will be petty and overpay him just to get him rid off the chiefs, you know, an AFC team in particular, I could see like the Ravens taking a flyer on him, you know, somebody like that, just to take him away and say, Hey, we'll overpay a little bit just to get you away from there. And in our mind, it may make the chiefs worse. So, I could definitely see a scenario where that's the case, and like I said, man, uh, I love Tyron Matthew. I appreciate everything he's done in Kansas City. Uh, ultimate leader, man. I love his passion and things like that. But you know, like I said, as a GM, I have got my GM hat on right now. You know, you can't uh, GM decisions- Gunnels, baby. Can't make you can't make, <laughs> you can't make uh, decisions based on emotion. This is a very uh, emotionalist business as a GM when it comes to money. So, you know, I, I just don't see him remaining here unless he's going to take a hometown discount, which I doubt he's going to do
1: can't make decisions based off emotions looks like kansas is going to lose their emotional leader this offseason another guy who could possibly be a cap casualty is defensive end frank clark who has been under fire from chief's kingdom it seems like since that contract was brought into the payroll he has a top 10 cap hit and and this is what brett beach had to say about his defensive line entering the
3: offseason you know we have some you know, work to do on the defensive side and on the defensive line, we'll have some decisions to to make and um, we'll always prioritize the offensive and defensive lines. I think if you look at, you know, the track record that, that, you know, coach had in Philly that I have carried over here, there's always going to be once you get the quarterback, you're going to invest in the O-line D-line. I think we did that early on.
1: Decisions, decisions, Mark Gunnell. What do you think that decision will be
2: for uh, Frank Clark? (laughs) When I saw that quote, that was basically directed towards Frank Clark. Like, can we, can we agree on that? Like, there was no doubt in my mind. That was like an indirect shot. I don't want to say shot, but that was indirect towards Frank Clark. I mean, let's be He was honest.
1: a subtweet. It was a subtweet.
2: Yeah, it was a, that was a perfect subtweet. I mean, this one's a lot easier than the Tyron Matthew. There is no doubt in my mind that uh, Frank Clark will be gone unless he somehow reconstructs his deal and it's like a really team friendly deal. But uh, there's no way that on his current contract that that will remain. I mean, that's pretty obvious. Uh, I know they can cut him, I think, before, what's the, like, June 1st? is like the June 1st deadline or something like that. And then after that, it's like, I'm not sure exactly how that works, but I know uh, most likely it makes more sense to cut him before then, as far as the cap is concerned. They still have to eat some dead money, obviously, but uh, that's definitely going to happen. And then also his buddy from Seattle Jaren Reed basically tweeted his goodbye today. I mean, my gosh. I mean, you couldn't get more direct than that one. I saw you uh, kind of repost that as well on Twitter.
1: Yeah, Frank Clark, Jaren Reed, and and the Chiefs have 25 unrestricted free agents. So this is going to be a team that sees a lot of movement coming and going uh, over these next couple weeks into the offseason. Sticking with Frank Clark, he was asked specifically about what's next for him in Kansas City. This is what he had to say after the AFC Championship game.
2: Um, uh, man, Kansas city is home. You know, Kansas city is home. My, I bought a house here. You know, my, my daughter goes to school and stuff like that here. and um, it's home, man. So, um, you know, I want to be here for the future, for the rest of my career, you know, but like you said, unfortunately, the way business goes, you know, things don't happen the way you want them to happen all the time.
1: All right, Mark Gunnels, you're 0 for 1 right now. Let's see if we can get back on the plus territory. Going to your magic ball is Frank Clark playing football in Kansas city next year.
2: I'm going to lean no. Oof. I'm going to lean no. I think some team out there would still feel like they can, um, you know, kind of resurrect the back end of his career and give him more than he probably should get and more than Kansas city would definitely give him. Cause I do think he does want to stay in Kansas city, obviously, but I don't see Brett Veach giving him more than like a minimum type of offer. Once they reconstructure his contract. And I think some team out there, it's particularly like a bad team that feels like, you know, hey, he's a champion. He's a fourth all time, I believe, in a postseason sacks. And, you know, they may seem like, oh, he could be a leader in our locker room. They may overpay for him. And at that point, I mean, I know you want to stay in Kansas City have yeah, your daughter goes to school there. But, hey, your family still got to eat, too. So if uh, somebody's offering more, a significant amount more money, I don't think he's going to pass that up.
1: Yeah, I think the writing on the wall has been there for a minute on this one. Production hasn't been there uh, for Frank most of the year. He picked up kind of towards uh, the middle of the year, and you could say he wasn't healthy to start off the year, which is a completely valid explanation, but the cap and the production, the cap hit and the production just don't match in this situation, and it leaves a really bad taste in your mouth with just uh, what happened in the AFC title game. I mean, this is a team that gave up nine sacks the week before. You only get to them one time. Uh, I, my prediction is this Chiefs D-line looks completely different next year. As for a guy who may be staying here in the kingdom, but is also looking for big money, it's left tackle Orlando Brown. Brett Veach asked about what they want to do with him. Uh, in that end-of-the-year press conference, here's what he had to say.
3: Um, he's as dependable as there is. You know, that Cincinnati game that we played in the regular season, it, it killed him that he couldn't play. And he actually came back on the field and wanted to play with a with a pulled calf muscle. So um, I think he's done a great job at that left tackle and, and certainly worked it, and get him done. And we expect him to be our left tackle moving forward.
1: So if we're shipping the first two out of town, it looks like Orlando Brown might be picking up a lease here in the kingdom. How do you feel about him being the, the Chiefs left tackle uh, for the long haul here, Mark?
2: Oh, I'm, I'm not against it at all, I, but I definitely could see a scenario where he's the franchise tag guy, where you franchise tag him, give him one more year, kind of see how that goes, and kind of prolong the inevitable big time extension, or if you even want to do that, because we know that with left tackle, I mean, those guys get the big bucks, I mean, we, we saw Trent Williams, I mean, they're going at the Trent Williams in the offseason, the Chiefs were in that hunt, but uh, the Niners just outbid them, basically. So uh, left tackle is definitely a lucrative position on the offensive line. And that's why, uh, you know, Orlando Brown wants to be left tackle. And obviously with his father, you know, the tradition there, with his father being a left tackle, he was a right tackle in Baltimore primarily. Played left tackle one year there. But at the same time, that was a heavy run system in Baltimore, as we know. So it was interesting to see his first year kind of being more of a pass blocker at left tackle. And he started off kind of rough. But I do believe second half of the year he picked up a lot. And uh, he kind of gained some more traction there, but I could definitely see this being a franchise tag candidate.
1: Absolutely. And, and I, you talked about him starting off rough. This is a guy at a new system uh, learning with a completely different unit. These are five new faces along the offensive line. I actually think Orlando Brown settled in pretty nicely. And uh, I think the chiefs specifically to what happened to them in the Super bowl against Tampa Bay, I don't think they want to be burned in that way specifically ever again. I think Brett Veach owns that. I think Andy Reid owns that, and I think they see a guy in Orlando Brown that could be a franchise left tackle. Has shown bright spots. Has obviously shown some room for improvement. And if the numbers right, hey, you sign him to the big term, the big time deal, and you don't have to burn the tag. But obviously, do you think
2: he gets the big deal now or, or later? I think that's where you
1: start. Uh, if you're Brett Veach and, and you're wanting to be a cap guy, because when he talked to, in that end-of-the-year press conference, he mentioned specifically, hey, we're not just looking at this year. We look a couple years down the road as well. I don't think they just want to kick the can down the road. I think they want to start with, hey, this is the number we want you at. We want you here long-term, big fella. Obviously, he's not going to love that number right off the top. And and this is a conversation that probably will go on for quite a while. There's going to be some things that need to happen and some dominoes that need to, ball, that need to fall before. Orlando's deal is done, but uh, he's certainly going to be somebody. From what Brett V said in, in his press conference, he's certainly going to be somebody that they want to keep in house long term. Mark,
2: yeah, hundred percent. Especially when you gave up a first round pick for the guy, exactly you know, protecting your franchise's blindside. I mean, that's the most important thing outside of Mahomes. You could argue on the roster is you're protecting that guy's blindside. So yeah, I agree. He's definitely going to be a guy that's in the the mix for sure definitely next year and probably beyond
1: we're wrapping up here on chiefs coast to coast our second episode appreciate y'all being locked in with us want to touch on jaron reed quickly because he did uh have some choice words on twitter today said that he's moving on to the next chapter appreciated his time in the kingdom it was a dream come true to play for head coach Andy but he's on to the next stop i believe his number was five and a half this year uh five and a half million on a one-year deal in Kansas City. And like you said, good friends with Frank Clark. Maybe that means uh, that that two th- those two are headed
2: out. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, that's kind of what I thought as well, because uh, that was kind of part of the deal, you know, bringing Jaron Reed in here, a guy that has success alongside Frank Clark in Seattle. You know, they're obviously uh, really good friends. So when I kind of saw that tweet, I mean, that was, you can't get more direct than that. As far as a goodbye, I mean, his agent must already talk to Brett Veach and they already must have had a mutual agreement like, OK, we're going to go separate ways. So I think that was a sign that Frank Clark probably is gone as well.
1: And, and I believe Jeremy was the only Kansas City chief to get his hands on, on Joe Burrow in the AFC championship game. We'll see where he ends up. Obviously, very thankful for his contributions here in the kingdom. Just want to keep it very general and off offseason before we jump around to some league news. Wide receiver 2 debate, man. This thing is going to be moving for for, for quite a while. We had the same conversation leading into the regular season of this year and here we are coming out of the AFC Championship game with kind of the same debate. I've got the numbers for Byron Pringle and DeMarcus Robinson versus the Bengals here and and they're not good. They're not good. Mark 6 ca- six targets, two catches, 16 yards and I believe that was all Byron Pringle because Demarcus Robinson was three targets, zero catches, zero yards. You are looking into your crystal ball again. We got your little hat on and your seance, whatever. Who is the Chiefs wide receiver to starting
2: off the 2022 regular season? Oh, you came in hot with the question. Yes, 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 sir. You were like My options. You said, who is it? Well,
1: you can keep it general. You can keep it general. Is, <laughs> well, is it somebody no, on the roster currently or do you think they go shopping?
2: Well, it's definitely not someone on the roster currently. We can, we, can, we can get rid of that notion right now. <laughs> it's definitely not someone on the roster right now. But, okay, I'll answer your question. I'll, I'll go ahead and give you the guy right now. I think it's going to be Allen Robinson. Woo! <laughs> I think it's going to be Allen Robinson. I'll tell you why. He's played in Jacksonville. He's played in Chicago. Those are two places that we know are known for having poor quarterback play, poor coaching, just poor front office. Now, I hope our guy from Kansas City changes that around in Chicago. But prior to him, they have been inept, to say the least. We can agree with that. Chicago and Jacksonville, right? I agree. So, at quarterback in front office, he's put up numbers still, though. He's put up numbers with bad quarterbacks. And the guy is still relatively young. I think he's at the point of his career now where he wants to win. I don't think he's ever played. Well, he's played in a couple of playoff games in Chicago, I believe but he's never really had a chance to really win a Super Bowl so I think at this point in his career he wants to play for a good quarterback have a good front office a great head coach and not to mention you know I'm into this stuff man throughout the year he's been kind of tweeting and liking (laughs) stuff about the Chiefs he played Madden he was using the Chiefs on Madden
1: He was using the Chiefs on Madden, Mark Goodall says. He
2: he put it on his Twitter, too, though. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. These are signs. These are signs of the He's
1: reading every tea leaf possible. Yes, I am.
2: I (laughs) am. And he's a big-body receiver, something that Chiefs have not had. They don't have that guy you can just throw it up to and say, hey, go ahead and get it, a jump ball, like a Jamar Chase or Boyd or Higgins, they don't have that Mike Williams type of guy. So I think he's that guy. I think he can, you can get him on a relatively fair deal. I think it makes sense, man, I really do. And not to mention, he played for Matt Nagy, somebody that came from the Andy Reid coaching tree. So you would imagine the scheme and stuff is somewhat similar. So that learning curve, you know, I talk about how bringing guys in is tough to learn an Andy Reid offense, but he's already kind of played for a guy that, came from Andy Reid. So that transition shouldn't be that difficult. So I think it's a perfect fit. I
1: I, I like that comparison, and, and I like all the points that you hit on. I'm, I'm going to toss a different alternative, and this is a guy the Chiefs have been linked to in the past. Would not be surprised to see Juju Smith-Schuster once again uh, linked to Kansas City. We know Andy Reid would text him pictures of the Lombardi Trophy last year trying to pursue him to come to Kansas City. Like you said, another big-body receiver a guy who doesn't necessarily need 12 to 13 targets a game, but can maybe get away with his five or six. Uh, I think he's somebody who has had interest in Kansas city. And after playing with a guy like Ben Roethlisberger, who wouldn't be interested in playing with a young dynamic playmaker like Patrick Mahomes, I think Juju Smith-Schuster once again has some interest from Kansas city. And Hey man, he may even play with the chiefs on Madden. You know, you never know, man, he could, he could have some interest in Kansas city. We'll be talking a lot, uh, about the offseason in the coming weeks, since the Chiefs are on the outside looking in,
2: and you could but, tell that uh, Vich was low key salty. We didn't get OBJ. I mean, he mentioned his name a couple of times. <laughs> LA, Kansas City, are you are you knocking OBJ?
1: And and he made he he had it right. He was boiled down to the last couple contenders. I mean, the Chiefs and the Rams were in the final four. Obviously, the Rams are in the Super Bowl now, but. Uh, I don't think OBJ really had – I don't really think he could have picked wrong in that situation, to be honest with you.
2: No, not for sure. And he's a free agent. I don't think he's going to leave L.A., but they are – their cap situation is not that good. And the way he's been playing, his price may have went up a little bit. So it's not out of the room of possibility that he leaves L.A., but I think L.A. just fits him perfectly, though.
1: I'd be interested to see what he does in the offseason. Still talking – And bouncing around the National Football League here as we wrap up episode two of Chiefs Coast to Coast on the Arrowhead Pride podcast network. And I wanted to get your thoughts quickly on the on the Brian Flores class action suit. Obviously, been making the rounds here uh, around the National Football League. He alleges uh, not only a hungover interview in Denver, but tanking potentially in Miami and then being passed up or given a sham interview. Uh, for the New York Giants interview, uh, this is a this is a black podcast, Mark. We don't have to bounce around that. I'm sure we've all uh, both of us and and people who are listening to this have experienced things like this in their professional life. Uh, what does it mean that Brian Flores not only, you know, went through this, but it, it is now speaking up and and almost being the Kaepernick for coaches, if you will, and standing out on this ledge?
2: Yeah, I think it's very powerful, uh, especially he already mentioned that he knows that he's putting his coaching future at risk by doing this. So it just shows that this is bigger than him. Uh, this is looking out for a future aspiring black head coaches in the NFL. I mean, he hadn't had a, um, a part in the lawsuit as far as Eric Bieniemy. uh, you know, talking about how Eric Bieniemy uh is not really getting a fair shot and how other guys are getting head coaching jobs that are less qualified. Than Eric B and me. I mean, we're talking about somebody that is uh offensive coordinator for a team that's been the four straight AFC championship games, two Super Bowls, one a Super Bowl, uh coaching up the best quarterback in the world, in my opinion. And you know, if you know any other guy had that uh, resume, I'm pretty sure he'll be a head coach right now, without question. I mean, that resume is undeniable. So um, you know, the situation is just very uh, I think it's very good that it's came out. I do uh, I think it's good that Belichick tweeted or text the wrong Brian, text the wrong Brian. So, I mean, because if that was not the case, we probably would never have, wouldn't be here right now. I mean, so that just shows you right now. I mean, you already had a guy in mind that you knew was going to be your head coach, and you still interview Brian Flores, basically wasting his time, because you already knew that you are going to uh, hire the other guy. So, I mean, that's just very disrespectful. It's the waste of his time, waste of his family's time. And then uh, with the Denver situation, I mean, if that's true, They're so unprofessional. I mean, showing up an hour late, uh, looking like you were probably drinking the night before, basically just saying, hey, we're just going to interview you just because we have to, because of the Rooney rule, but we're not actually going to really consider hiring you. Just a waste of everybody's time, man. And just hopefully um, things can change. But I mean, you know, with the owner still in place, it's going to be very difficult for that to happen
1: it's a shame that Brian Flores had to had to basically torpedo his own career in order to bring a lot of these issues to the forefront. It, it, he shouldn't have to be a martyr in order for these things to be changed. The Rooney rule obviously doesn't work. Uh, it's a situation in which most of these guys are just going on these sham interviews. Uh, they're just going to fulfill the requirement. And, and as you said, Eric Bieniemy overqualified. I, I, I believe the, the correct phrasing or the direct the direct quote from from the class action suit suit from Brian Flores was, he has the pedigree, he's got the reputation, and, and he's being passed up by uh, these guys who don't have the same resume, don't have uh, the same pedigree. Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs had never averaged less than twenty eight point two points per game under under Eric Bieniemy. That th- that same resume attached to a different candidate has gotten guys hired and fired. By the time Eric Bieniemy can get it. An interview, man. And it's a shame that Brian Flores had to go to these lengths to have this certain thing out there. I also hope that we get actionable items uh from this, other than just the week before the Super Bowl, us talking about it on this podcast, or you hearing about it on the news, and then we just move on to what's going on in LA and the, the halftime performance. Um, uh, because these are real issues, and I think the players should take a large stake in these issues as well because there's going to be a day in which they they don't play anymore. They they want to be coaches, right? But there's going to be a day in which they want to enter the the pipeline and they say, hey, wait a minute, what's going on here? You know, the Byron mm-hmm. Leftwiches of the world. And, I mean, and
2: Tyler Matthews even tweeted today he wants to be a coach in 10 years.
1: Yeah. So it, I think it's in the players' interest to, to have this thing cleaned up as well. And it, I want to keep a close eye on this one, man, because this is history in the making. Brian Flores mentioned – Not only Dr. Martin Luther King, but this being the first day of Black History Month. Obviously, it's been a few days since then, but uh, these these things need to change, man. And and racism stenciled in the end zone and the little stop hate on stickers on the end of the helmet. That's not getting it done. That's performative. and, And I would like to see real change.
2: Yeah. Like you said, man, I hope it's just not one of those fads things, you know, where it's trending right now for a couple of weeks and then you know, come April, May, we kind of just forget about it, and move on to the NFL draft and training camp and just kind of forget about it, you know, so hopefully this can sustain, man, because we've never seen this before as far as coaching goes, you know, so, and he has receipts. So that's a big deal. That's a big deal. So hopefully something comes from him, man.
1: We're keeping a close eye on that. We're keeping a close eye on free agency as well as the NFL draft here with Coast to Coast. We appreciate y'all betting the house with us. Give you a quick little update on what, what, what our schedule is gonna look like. We're probably gonna go dark for a little bit, uh, as the Super Bowl goes on. We'll pop up again here wherever you get your podcast after the NFL draft, breaking down the Chiefs picks and kind of what their outlook will be going into preseason and training camp. But until then, man, you can find us on Twitter spaces. We'll try and Great. do the regular. Free agency, free agency. That's right. Yeah, because Mark Gunnels is, uh, he's tapped in. He knows what guys are picking on Madden. He knows which two. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see y'all on Twitter Spaces, man. We'll, we'll tap in with us in the meantime. Y'all can find us on social media. Obviously, read us on Arrowhead Pride. And a tough end of the season, Mark, but I, I think it's a bright outlook for the rest of the way for, for Coast to Coast.
2: Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Uh, I think we have a great dynamic, man. I think hope you guys like watching us. You know, we bring a different uh, perspective to your guys' living room. or you know, hopefully you have a living room still. <laughs> 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 you know, man, nah, but seriously, though, uh, we're having fun with it. And hope you guys enjoy this journey with us.
1: Hey, man, Coast to Coast is out. We'll see you all again soon.